0: So overcoming who's been enjoying looking at this for the last two weeks who would classify themselves as an overcomer don't put up your hand <laughs> because we're all called to be overcomers correct and the overcomers receive what can't hear sorry speak up they receive rewards don't they. They receive things because in Revelation it says to the overcomer I grant this. To the overcomer I grant this. To the overcomer I grant this. So we're called to be overcomers and we've looked at what it is to overcome our flesh. We've looked at what it means to overcome the culture of the world. We live in a hotbed where everything in that culture of the world is trying to influence you and trying to persuade you to buy into it. And to become like it, isn't it? And so we need to be highly aggressive We need to be highly active in our pursuit to be an overcomer Otherwise we will be overcome by the flesh and the world And what we're going to look at today, the adversary Because out of anybody, the adversary is the smartest person That I've come to get to know as far as he lies And he's an exceptionally good liar He is brilliant at deception And he is the best at temptation And he knows whether he has things on you or not Correct? He knows if you have stuff in you That he can pull and twist and push and point And make you think He knows if he can get into your mind He can cause you to be overcome So we're going to look at this today What does it mean to overcome the adversary? What does it mean to be faced with a demonic presence that lies, steals, cheats, that deceives? His mission is to deceive you out of being an overcomer. His mission is to lie to you about who you really are and who you're really not. His mission is to tempt you into stuff that's going to kill you. So he's against you. You Everyone agree with that? So we need to know what it is to overcome this particular guy because although he has no authority, he has power. And he's been entrusted and given this earth for a period of time. So once again, he's highly active to try and suck you into his earth. Yeah? So we can't be passive, can we guys? It's got to be more than just turning up on a Sunday morning, feeling good, ticking the box and going home. This is about transformation, this is about maturity, this is about authority, this is about knowing who you've been called to truly be and then ministering from that while you are graced here on earth and that's what we have to discover. So we're going to look at Luke 4 and we're going to go through 1 to verses 14 and then we're going to unpack some of the things and then we've got questions on the table, hopefully we're going to get to those. And it says this, the temptation of Jesus. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, this is Luke 4.1, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended, he became hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. And he led him up to show him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall be all yours. Jesus answered him, It is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And he led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. He's crafty, isn't he? He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, it is said, I love that, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. In verse 14, and Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. There is so much in here to unpack. We could take a whole year to unpack 14 verses. What do you reckon, should we? <laughs> but we're going to start, and um, before I ask these guys, what I want well, to first thing I want to say is this, is that before any ministry and before any attack, Jesus was full. So what do you think that means for us? Before he went out, before he called anybody, he was full of the Holy Spirit and overflowing. So that's a position and a posture that God wants to get us to because we're in a war. And what you're going to see here, because he is full, he's able to put everything into a posture without getting crazy, jumping up and down, screaming, yelling, doing all the stuff that maybe we have done in the past. And when I read this, I just see absolute peace. I don't see Jesus getting fluffed. I don't see Jesus running around. I just see Jesus ministering peace because he's full so that's a dimension that god wants us in isn't it because it's a way of view you view everything not just this but everything in him gets viewed through the lens of the spirit when you're full and overflowing Alrighty. sam any thoughts mate you want to pick up on anything in those verses there to kick us off
1: yeah i mean Oh, that's, that's, I was, I was given the word before I started this morning to speak right into the microphone, so there you go. (laughs) Um, you know, I, I I love the way that you started, Greg, you know, saying Jesus was full, because these verses are sandwiched with that, eh? The first verse says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. And then it finished with, and Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, you know? And, and you see here, for Jesus, in this wilderness place, was not a place of emptiness spiritually, you know, that he started full and he ended full. I think it can be so easy to, you know, you hear the word wilderness and you think that that's a dry, barren place where you are spiritually deprived, you're having a rough time, whereas actually for Jesus, while while physically that was the case, spiritually he was alive, you know, and I think to me it it just highlights the posture that he lived from, that the world around him didn't have the ability to define the world within him. You know, what was inside him was of a greater spiritual substance than what it was, that, the influence that was happening around him. Even we see his own physical body, you know, that the power within him had to with, the ability to withstand any physical thing. To me, I ask the question is, you know, it says of, of Jesus, you know, he went into the wilderness and he had 40 days. with. It says he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he became hungry, you know. It says he went 40 days without eating, and only after the 40 days did he become hungry. It's like what happened for the other 39 days that he was in the wilderness without food? It wasn't that he wasn't being fed, it was that he was being fed from a greater substance, Christ in him, he was eating living man and not just physical food, you know? And so to me that, that was probably my, my first thoughts is that he had a power within him that was greater than the influence of the world and the devil and his own physical flesh around him, you know? So.
0: You guys want to add to any of that? You want to take that a bit further or expand on it?
2: Yeah, just I think one thing I picked up on, and I love that um, your version said that the Spirit led him around because mine mine doesn't say that. But it, it it it's easy to forget that Christ was actually being led by the Spirit for forty days. It wasn't like the Spirit just led him into the wilderness and then said goodbye. He was leading Jesus around for forty days, and um, again, I think that's such a again a marker hey, of how. W- we're called to live Is to be led continuously um, by the Spirit, and in the wilderness again. I so agree. It's not just that; it's not a place of um, you know that we can think that it's it's a, it's a terrible place to be in, but it's actually the place that is stripped right down that we we come to know the basic necessity of of life in Christ is actually the Spirit and the Word feeding and nourishing us. Mm.
0: And that's so often can be, um, we, we, we hear wilderness and we freak out, do not we? Yeah. And there's, a, there's an aspect of the wilderness which, you know, can be tough. But if you take the entirety of what God says, you see him hanging out in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. You see John in the wilderness. You see water was in the wilderness. And the barrenness, when they led them in the wilderness, there's this rock and so there's water. So... As much as you know, we can go through things and, and it can be like a wilderness experience at the same time we can see biblically the wilderness is also a place of refreshing and life if we have spiritual eyes because the Israelites just saw a rock but Moses saw water.
3: I think the thing that um, struck me when I was reading this is what happened before because... Jesus surrendered and submitted himself into baptism and then he was filled with the Holy Spirit the Spirit came on him and the words of the Father testified of who he was. So he received within himself and to see it as a pattern because the Spirit testifies with our spirit as to who we are that we are you know, the Lord said, not you are my son. He said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Oh, I thought we had to do things for God to please him. Jesus hadn't started a thing. So he He was founded in what the Father said. And there, this is exactly the foundation that that he has for us. That we're not, you know, we can, we can say, well, God loves me and now I'm going to please God. What can I do to please God? And it's like, that's not my way. (laughs) And, and the, the power to overcome comes from receiving what God has said. As we said, you know, we've been saying over the last few weeks, everything that is from God overcomes the world. It's not from us. And the, the reality of what Father has said is the thing that causes us to stand and to be able to stand in places where lots of accusations are coming and and all sorts of things, you know? And it does, he is the accuser of the brethren, but what Father has said, he has chosen, he has called, and for us to receive that and believe it and stop saying, oh, but that's for them, not for me, do you know what I mean? It has to hit inside each one of us, so that we can stand and walk and endure whatever comes our way. And I, to me, that is that is the foundation that happened before the leading into into this period of time. It's
0: fascinating, and I want to just pick up on this um, because he starts, meaning the adversary starts at a question around identity. So he says, if you are. Why do you think he starts there, guys?
1: I think to me it's it's because this this place of identity will define everything, you know? So if if Jesus was to start from a place of a lack of identity, then everything that he would be doing, it comes back to what you're saying, Sandra, would be attempting to gain his identity through the things that he does as opposed to the God that he knows, the Father that he knows. And so his doing would then always be tainted with a sense of, of it's, it's essentially selfishness that he's doing to get, not doing because he's actually already received, you know, and so to me, this this place of identity is so foundational, you know, and he says, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread, you know, that if he can just get Jesus to use even his God-given abilities to just somehow um, make this situation better for himself for self-gain, for self-worth, for for approval, for people, you know, for, for anything that would benefit him, then all of a sudden he's on a slippery slope to um, not being able to be free to serve from a place of um, fullness but needing to serve to actually receive something. You know, it's, it's a completely round-the-wrong-way posture, eh? And if the start is wrong, the middle's going to be wrong and the end is going to be wrong. So I think to me... It's beautiful here that this test comes at the start of his ministry and the test only exposes the fullness. It doesn't expose the lack. You know, he's not in there to, I love it that the spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness and that the temptation only shows the fullness of identity that he's found in It doesn't expose the lack. And well, it's okay that sometimes if it does do it, if it brings us back to that place of having actually to receive and to come to know who we are in Him. So that's okay. It's just that for, it's just the, not the ultimate position, hey, which is being found in Him, you know.
0: Yeah, it's the position that we want to come into. So the position obviously is maturity. And so it's okay to be found out not being able to, but then you don't want to stay there. You want to actually be able to be found, be able to. Because he's the model. So the example is Christ. We want to become Christ-like. As we were singing, that's what I was prophesying. We've been predestined to be Christ-like. And so when you see Christ, see yourself. When the enemy comes to you, what you're looking at is how you are to respond like him, because he is the prototype that we're all to becoming. He is the firstborn son. And I love the fact that he was tempted, which proves he was man yeah, that's it. because God cannot be tempted. Mm. So that's the evidence right there that Jesus is operating as a man because he's being tempted. Like we're all going to be tempted. Mm. Okay? And so, this need, desire to want to grow is essential.
3: Um.
2: And I, I, you know, I couldn't help but see Christ, like you say, it's like with this test that's exposing his fullness, but also straight away just saw the beatitude, you know, in verse when it, in, in verse three, when it says the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Um, and that, that word stone just came to my mind because I had just read how. John was saying to the Pharisees um, just before that in um, Luke three. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, "We have Abraham as our father." For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And it's, so we see Jesus here, and he, you know, being tempted by the adversary to make something happen to use his power. In a way, but actually it's that perfect, pa- that power under perfect control, which uh, in the beatitude, you know, the meekness and not to be self-dependent, but dependent on the Father. It wasn't the Father's will. Um, and how he could raise up, uh, children from Abraham from stones. He could turn the stone into bread. Um, and in John 833, and I think it comes back to this identity thing, um, Jesus is is um, speaking to them. He says, "I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you." And if we come back to Luke, it's that very thing: "Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God." And so you can see Jesus here, hey, by just the meekness the the um the pure in heart to only do what the father's will is and to only live from what the father has said, not from what um, he's being tempted to do uh, from out an outside source, but only the source of the father because he is a child, he is the son of God, not the son because um, jesus goes on he says um, they answered to, to Jesus and said, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, um, which I've told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. And he goes on to say, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceed forth and came from him, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. And your father is the devil, and the desires of the father of your father, you you want to do. He is he is a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Listen to this: when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So I think this identity: if you are the son of God, it's it's like you know, if, and he's, he knows he is, and we actually see him proving the righteousness that he is a son by saying, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the Father. Mm.
1: And he could have turned stones into bread, right? He could, but he didn't need to, you know? And I think to me, you know, the, you know, this... Um, this miracle that was being asked of him, he said, and was saying, in no way, shape, or form is that, a, a, is that in any way a reflection of his identity. You know, his performance and his ability to do miracles had no bearing on whether or not he was a son of God, you know. And just, you know, in the passage mail that you just read, you know, it says if, um, says, um, you know, if you were, what is it? If you were a son, you would love me, you know. And so this is This is not about his ability to to move and even the the gifts and the work of God it was ability, his ability to actually know the Father and to live from the you know being in the Father and the Father being in him you know and that 's an entirely different place than a place of performance orientated acceptance, even performance based on spiritual gift or you know spiritual things, spiritual things you
0: know? what what is the enemy ultimately trying to get Jesus to do by turning stones to bread?
3: Live from himself. <laughs> or live from another source. Self-sourcing. Like if he, if he gets, he, if he gets this wrong, he is functioning from not fellowship. He's functioning from himself or from circumstances or from his own understanding or from suggestion or anything like that. So he's become, he has become God. And so he's initiating and taking initiation. And that, the, the, the thing, if, if Jesus had done that, we would be done for because he would be taking his cues From around, not from what the Father says. And Jesus modelled this because it is the only way for us to live. You know, it's, it is no different from us to Him. And we can, we can look at circumstances and say, this needs to happen. And so then we go about it. And then we become the first Corinthians 13, this prophesying Without love, this noisy gong, this using these things, and we're not actually demonstrating God at all. We're just demonstrating flesh, and, and you can't you can't please God with flesh. It's only after the Spirit, and it's in that submission and um, surrender and fellowship and intimacy with Him that all of the the doing comes from
1: it's his own it's his own will hey you know yeah
0: so he's trying to he's trying to get jesus to break the father's will and this is and so what happens if you break the father's will so everything has a conclusion god has written it all the enemy has suggestions because once again he is the greatest tempter deceiver liar and so he comes to the christ he knows he's the messiah correct But he still asks the question He knows he can turn The stones to bread But he asks the question So he's always poking the bear Looking For a gap Noel Do you know who you are? Okay Someone I can work with Petra Just do this You know you've got the gifting on you Do that Gotcha. So he is very, very, very clever And if he's going to tempt and test Christ To step out of the Father's design Do you think he's going to test and tempt you? So what happens, question for you guys What happens if you don't know who you are And yet you're called to live a type of life? How are you going to live it? You become double-minded, yep, reactional, you'll fall for anything, it's good, say that again Petra, you can't enter into the reality that you've been called for. What happens if someone doesn't know they're a son and they get a position of leadership? They abuse people, they burn out They lord it over They're always trying to prove They don't raise others up Because they're in fear of loss of their position And he knows this It's interesting that it's first If you are a son If you are sons Then sons live a kind of way Slaves live a kind of way Orphans live a kind of way Kings that are slaves, the Bible says the earth shakes, the earth can't stand if a slave gets promoted to a king position. Because it's all about the king. It's not about the people, it's about the king. And so he's incredibly smart. But I want to touch on this word, I might go to you Mel, about our dialogue because it says, it is written. So his response, is these three words. It is written. So he knows what to come back with. It's not like, oh my goodness, I need a scripture. It's, oh my goodness, I need to get into the spirit somehow. So yabba, dabba, dabba, dabba. It's in the moment. You're in the battle. He's right in front of you. He said what he said. He's thrown out the suggestion towards you. You don't have time to think. If you've got time to think you're already undone and he says it is written
2: yeah, that's it christ in that moment it's not like he needed a new revelation or he was looking for some other spiritual fluff to to use but he went right to it is written um and What's beautiful about that is that it makes it available for us, doesn't it, as a man. Like you said, he he entered in and he was being challenged as a man, but... Having the Holy Spirit and being the Word Himself, so you can imagine the (laughs) reality—the reality of the written Word—is in front of the enemy, the One who knows the beginning, the end, and the in between. And so He's in the full confidence of it is written because I am the message; it is written, and so He can He He refers to Himself really. Um, and as believers, if we have the truth, Christ, it is written, the messenger in us, then we too need to know the word, the one that is written by the author and the perfecter of our faith who is writing it on our hearts.
0: Yeah, and that's the key that I really want to pick up on. Written on our hearts. And I love how it says there, it says that the last part, it says spoken. So Jesus comes back, it is spoken. So he says, two, it is written, and the last one he says, it's spoken, because it's the spoken, written, spoken, written, spoken, written word that gets spoken and written on our hearts. So out of us innately comes the defense, the sword. It's not, oh my goodness, I need to grab my Bible and quote a scripture at him it's already been engraved through power because we are in the process of what? What's the process that you are in? And we've looked at this, this whole journey. Sanctification. So you're in sanctification. So the word is being engraved on your heart and your mind. So when the battle turns up, you're not like this. You just... It's written, boom. Even if you don't say anything, because it's written, ping, you stand firm and resist. See about being, becoming, as opposed to doing.
1: And I find like it's it's fascinating even in these verses, you know, the... The word that's written isn't the physical words on the page that he's referring to, right? You know, because even in, you know, the third temptation, you know, the the devil is quoting scriptures back to Jesus to try and use what is technically written in the scriptures to actually still take him off course from what the Father's will is, eh? You know, and to me, this is just. It's such clear evidence of the word needing to be more than just the words on the page, but the reality that sits behind those words being real and living within us, hey, you know? That, you know, if, if, if we, like, like you guys are saying, you know, if we get to the position where a situation comes, and we have to scramble to try and find a scripture that applies to the situation. We've actually already, we've actually already missed it. You know, we need to know not just the scriptures, but the living person, the word of Christ within us. Otherwise, we'll be dis- potentially deceived even by the scriptures themselves because we'll have our own interpretation of what they say, not the reality of what God um, or who God is that lies beneath them, eh, you know? And so there's, there's a real need for us not just to know the written, physically written thing, but but the written word that gets engraved not on tablets of stone, but on on our hearts, eh?
2: You know? That's it. And it's, it, it it's not the written words, it's the spirit and the life and the power and the reality behind the words. And so... What is written and then what is spoken, if you can imagine the life of the Spirit, the breath of the Spirit of what is written, of Christ himself, we can breathe those words that as we speak, we speak the rhema word. And so the rhema word and the logos, like the logos is the written word, as you can imagine with, um, as an example, the Bible from beginning to end is you would say, as the logos, where the the rhema word would be a verse. But that's just technicality. What I'm trying to say, actually, is that, like you say, these Pharisees could know the scriptures. Even the adversary can quote what is written. But the life, the reality, and the power, the spirit, to be able to to use the word lawfully and use the word righteously to speak to a present situation, that it actually has effects is... Is different from then just knowing the Bible, if you hear what I'm saying. So it's, it's empowered by the Spirit that in the moment, in the situation, it's Christ in you who knows exactly what to say and do in the moment without scrambling and looking for scriptures to apply.
0: Because mm. you, you can, you can speak what we're talking about without having the book. Mm. Because it's not the book. So in the beginning was not the book in the beginning was the spirit. So the spiritual word is not the book. It's a language. It's a substance. So God spoke. That's why it's not the written word first. It's the spoken word that gets written down. But the spirit speaks it. So that's why the the, uh, religious people didn't know the word of God. They didn't know the person because they didn't have the spirit. They rejected the spirit. So they're trying to interpret a spiritual word through the flesh. So when we do that, if we do that, you'll know, you won't have a sword. Mm. You turn up at a gunfight with no sword, nothing. You're just like, it says in such and such. You're like, you'll be like the person that says, um, uh, like the guy, the, the the Paul and, and the guy Jesus, you know, the sons of Sceva passage. So you'll turn up and the demons will jump all over you because what you're saying isn't living active. It's just, Sort of a knowledge about something, Mm. because you read it somewhere. But you don't have the sword, you don't have the spiritual mana, the substance of God when God spoke. So it's, this is a spoken word that got written down. We need to grasp this. This is why they didn't understand the scriptures or the power of God. And this is why they rejected their own Messiah, which we can do because, so in this, in this battle, You know, and I'll share, it's, it's not even about the scriptures. Like I remember years ago, this is when 2010, and when God was dismantling hearts and minds here. And we had in our little family, we had demonic presence come into the rooms. And I remember Danny waking up screaming, there's something in the room. There's something in the room right beside her bed. And I just acted It's not a time to think okay? And I just dived, literally She woke me up with a scream and I dived over her And as I'm diving over her in the bed I literally said In the name of Jesus, be gone And as I dived over the bed and over her My hand touched it It was ice cold It was not a cold night But as my hand, and I actually Sort of like did this and touched it And said those things It instantly left the next night, that's my Madeline. A black bat is trying to rip out my heart, dad. And I hear that and up you get. And so, this innate knowing of a person, I didn't even yell out scriptures, I just used the name because it's the person. And so, there's that level of attack, you know. And if we are. Active in our pursuit of Christ, we will attract this type of opposition because the opposition is trying to prevent us from becoming overcomers. But he has no power. So he has power, he doesn't have any authority. Okay. But there is, he's crafty and so he works away knowing our weaknesses. He knows if you struggle with your thought life. He knows if you struggle with X, Y and Z. And so he will come and he will throw thoughts. He will guide people. He will lead stuff. Why? Because he's the prince of the airwaves. He's been given authority by God to actually go to work on you and I for a period of time. For the purpose of what? Growing us up. So he's going to be used by God as a pawn in God's kingdom to test us to see where we're really at for the purpose of maturity that we would become the fullness of who we're called to be as sons of God. Because isn't that the point? Sons of God. All creation is waiting for sons of God. Well, the sons of God are going to be mature sons. The bride is going to be mature. Yeah, Priests... A nation, people that are coming back to reign with Christ are going to be mature followers who've entered into this type of thing. And so it's imperative that we know the spoken word that has been captured in words that the Jew blessed them, the Israelite have, have held on to throughout the centuries. So we get to actually have some sort of record of what is in the unseen. Um anyone want to jump from there or I've got another question um,
1: i I think you know just just as you 're talking about it, you know the the Jews and how they had received this you know, you know what they call the oracles of God that had been written down. And then the one who actually was the embodiment of that word stood in front of them. That's what we see in the verses that are immediately after this passage. Eh? You know, and Jesus, after having been tested in, in the wilderness, comes to speak for his first time. You know, and says, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor." And you see the response of the people, having now maybe for the first time. Heard not just verbal, written words, but actually are confronted with the reality of that word. You know, he says, "Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing," and they were all speaking well of him, wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. You know, and in other places they say, "You know, what what is this word, this message, but with authority?" You know, and so for the first time they're confronted with the reality of the word that's become flesh. And then he starts to share that actually he he turns in and say you know and, and and says, Guys, you know, this is this is actually being spoken about you. And they go from marvelling at the words that are coming from his mouth to wanting to kill him literally in a moment, you know, and you and you see the Um, you know, the dynamic that's at play when it's no longer just words anymore, it's actually being confronted with the very reality of God Himself, that the, that the actual living word invokes a response. Hey, you know, it's, it's living, it's real, it's dynamic, and it's, it's not just to sit outside of you, now the word's turned up and it wants to make its way into you. You know, it says the word is living and active, sharper than two-edged sword that it comes to cut and divide and penetrate and go to work in your inner realm, you know? And so that's the kind of um, the reality of the word that we're to receive, hey? You know, it's it's Christ himself coming into us and building us on the inside so that we actually have the capacity within us to walk through life and to withstand the attacks of the enemy because greater is him who's in us than him who's in the world and anything that he tries to throw at us questions, you know, whatever it is that, that comes to kind of set us off course now no longer has the ability to do that because of what's now been formed inside of us, Christ in us, hey, you know, and so, that is it's it's the it's this building work that he wants to do in us that gives us the capacity to overcome the things that are thrown at us and, and towards us, hey?
0: Yeah. And it's interesting is how he appeals to our humanity when he comes to tempt you. Mm-hmm. You know, so he appeals to food. You must be hungry. You know, I think of Esau who gave up his birthright for a single meal. You know, it's like And so this challenge between, you know, when you're full of the spirit, growing in the spirit, maturing in the spirit, the spiritual word maintains you at a level that you actually, even if you're hungry, you're not hungry. Like I don't know if you've experienced this, but literally now, and I've been in this for a while, is the spiritual word fills you and sustains you when you haven't had food because it's we're one and the same. I'm three and one, and yet the devil comes and he'll go. Oh yeah, wonder if I can tempt you in the flesh. Why don't I can tempt you in the physical? Wonder if you'll be able to stand this test right now. Oh, you're hungry, and so depending on our struggles, you know, the other thing is is in power. If you're looking for position, you know, if you're looking for, I want to be this and I want to be that and I want to be the next worship leader and I want to be the the chief evangelist and I want to be the senior. That he'll go. Oh, okay, see that. You know, and he says it here, I'll give you all this. I've got all this. So he plays but to Jesus, do you think giving Jesus the kingdom of the world was a temptation? Why not? Say it again. He knew what his father was, yep. What did he also know? He just by his father that he was son. Yep. But what does he know about the world? It's temporary, it's perishing The world you've got's perishing My father's already created a brand new one So there's no temptation in what you're offering me But if you don't know that And he comes to you And he says, oh you're seeking this thing out You're seeking that promotion at work, are you? Yeah, yeah If you just do this, if you just do that If you just say this about this employee You get that job If you just short navigate that there And that thing the bank want you to do to get that loan You'll get it, and there's something. See, there's something in us that wants that. That's not. Oh, oh, oh really? Where did that thought come from? If you just go over there, if you just, you just, you just play that little thing there, just flirt that little bit more. See, he's going to appeal to what's in us. This is why it's essential. What Sam's saying is, the word is not just intellectual knowledge in our heads that the Word is engraved through the power of the finger of the Spirit. How did the Word of God get on the Ten Commandments? By the finger of God. Which tells me the power of God is going to get the Word of God on the new tablet. It's the only way it happens. It's not through intellectualism. It's not through memorization. It's through revelation. And so then, as Sam said before, he comes and he throws the scriptures at Jesus. Ah, oh, well, if we're playing this it is written game, do you know it's also written? So once again, if you think you know what's written, you better know what's written as opposed to what your mind says what's written because he's going to come and use that against you too to try and get you off center. And do you know like point zero 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 one off true north is off? Because there's only the truth that makes you free And I love this last part Because this defines a whole lot of stuff For me too Where he says When the devil had finished Every temptation He left him Until an opportune time He's coming back Sometimes people ask you to pray As if Oh that's going to be it One prayer seals the deal No no He's been given the prince of the airwaves He can turn up And come and go and do what he does. Now you need to know who you are. So if he turns up, you speak with authority. So then you're authority. So he leaves. But don't think that's a one-time deal. He can keep coming and keep coming. Why? Because he is so passionate to keep you out of what God is passionate to get you into. Great. And if you're unaware of that, then really you won't be a hindrance to him. People blame the devil for so much stuff. And yet a lot of the time in my experience It's their own decision making that gets them in trouble Because they don't know Or they're asking for things that is not in his will And so we keep going around the mountain Thinking it's the devil When it's actually our own unawareness of the truth And we're trying to access stuff And we're not getting what we ask for Because it's not his will And he will play that game with you And so it's crucial. This is a crucial reality that we have this word written, engraved. Our minds are being renewed. Because he's going to show throw darts of thoughts, isn't he? The mind of Christ. What does that empower, guys, against the thoughts of the enemy? If you're growing in the mind of Christ, how does that enable you to overcome...
1: It enables you to stand and not be taken out by, you know, thoughts or perspectives that aren't true, hey, you know, and, you know, I I love what you're saying about, you know, the the devil coming back at an opportune time, and to me it just highlights, you know, talking about having the mind of Christ or having the armour of God, and how this armour isn't something that's taken off or or put on based on circumstance, say, It has The armor of God has to be Christ in us because we don't necessarily know what time the next test or trial is going to come. And so we need to have living in us the reality of Christ in our hearts and in our minds. Not just one thought for a particular situation or to overcome one particular trial, but actually to live in and from it so that actually we're able to function from his reality all the time, eh? the ins and outs, the, uh, otherwise we'll be, th- you know, if it's something that comes on and off, we'll be thrown by a situation when we least expect it, but actually if this is something that's in us and that we live from, we're prepared night and day, you know, we're never not prepared, and it says be dressed in readiness, you know, and that, that dressing is not the dressing that comes on and off. It's like being dressed in a skin that's actually become part of you, you know. You, you've received Christ in you, and, you know, you're not having to make excuses for why you're behaving in a certain way. When, you know, to say, oh, I'm just angry because I'm hungry, you know, or I'm just frustrated because someone did something like that to me. Why why are you allowing someone the authority in your life to treat you wrong so that you treat them wrong, you know? Why are you allowing food, the authority in your life to determine your behavior? Do you see what I'm saying? That's a real dangerous place to live where other people or other things have the ability to take you out of the promise that you were called for, you know? And so we need to have, the mind of Christ to be able to have his thoughts and his reality and his perspective, not just in a moment, but as what we live from, hey, you know? And so that's the reality of having his word abide in us. It's an abiding. It's not a flirting. It's not an in, out, in, out. It's something that's solid and consistent that we live in and from, hey, you know? So I guess those are my thoughts, you know?
2: Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, the mind, to have the mind of Christ is to know the Father's will and to live by it. And, and what that does is when, and I was thinking, Sam, when you were describing earlier about the sword of the Spirit, it's like, If we know the sword of the spirit that actually put us to death, we're going to know how to wield the sword of the spirit when we need to um, warfare. You know, it's the same power that rose Jesus from the grave. is the same power that lives in us that makes us conquerors. Um, But to have the mind of Christ means that we're thrown into the life of Christ. So we now live in his in his story, in his life. And so we take on things as Christ took on things. And it says that he was our high priest, you know, that he was tempted so that, so that we could, he could identify with us and we could imitate him. And so we take these adverse, these situations on, or when things come up and we can stand and not take any suggestions that are going to shortcut anything. And I'm just thinking what you were saying, Greg, earlier about the shortcutting, um, when Satan comes to him and says, "You know, all this authority I will give you, and their glory, and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I can give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, you will worship before me, and all will be yours." Here again, the suggestion here is: if Christ took that up, he would have shortcut the cross. He could have fit everything that he died for. You know, to 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 get the keys for the demand. Everything the world, everything was made from him. It all belongs to him. It's all coming back to him, right? We know this. And so what that suggestion could have done is, hey, take a shortcut. And ultimately we know that the cross is the very thing that has given us access to to live and know Christ and live the same as, as he did. And I know in my past situations, that has the suggestion, the power of suggestion to take a shortcut because we don't want to suffer. And... I think this really stuck out for me, you know, when um, when the enemy says the authority I'll give you and the glory. Glory doesn't come without suffering, but it is it's it's the way of the Father, right? It's the will of the Father and to have the mind of Christ is to cherish the will of the Father and to live for the will of the Father and that comes with standing firm and overcoming and not taking shortcuts or premature uh ways um, to to gain glory. It's it's really taking on the life of Christ, which includes suffering, mm. persecution, and all things that come with that. Um, but hand in hand with glory. Mm.
1: Mm. Can I just say one more thing about the mind of Christ? You know, I, I think if if we have the mind of Christ, then we have Christ's thoughts and Christ's perspective about who God is and about who we are and us so the thoughts that come that you know if you are the son of God a, a question that would um determine our identity or thoughts that are insecure thoughts about who we are there's to me the, the the reason why having the mind of Christ is so important is because it gives us something that's real that's greater than the question that comes and so why would we you know if we are full of identity and we know who we are, why would we believe thoughts of insecurity of who of who we're not, you know? And so this is real and practical that, you know, to feel anxious towards God and to wonder if he loves us, for example, why would we wonder whether God loves us if we have the mind of Christ who says, you know, the Father and I are one – that, you know, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. If we're full of the reality of what God thinks towards us, why would we be taken out by thinking that he doesn't love us? Do you see what I'm saying? It's like, we need the thought that's true to dismantle the lie that's not true, you know? And, and so this is, this is to me, like, it, it's so practical and so essential that, that the true thought has to overcome the lie. Otherwise, we've got nothing else to stand on. Or oh, maybe God doesn't love me. And maybe it's because of the thing that I did yesterday. Or maybe it's because of the thing that I did 30 years ago that I'm still struggling with internally. Because actually, I'm living from my thoughts that have actually been, that have come from my own insecurity. They haven't come from revelation by the spirit of who I am and who I've been called to be. And the purposes and promise and potential and how God sees me, and so to me, it's like that. That the reality of what's true needs to become so real that it disempowers the lie that's not, you know. And so to me, that that's the mind of Christ eh? that it it, it you know it sets us on this firm foundation, and it has His thoughts towards us as being more real than the lie that we previously believed. Hey, you know.
3: I think the other thing. Um it's really easy to listen and to think that is like a really mature position and what happens when I'm still struggling with A, B and C. Mm. And what I've found is that you can stand on what has already been revealed to you. You don't have to have the full packet picture to be able to stand. And I've, I've been in situations, you know, quite recently, where things have been said and it's been full on attack. And while my head might spin, there is a knowing in me. And it's, it's the knowing in me that I might not understand all this, but I know that he's speaking and there is a knowing in me that I'm standing in. And, and I think it's really important that we don't get discouraged and think there is nothing to stand on because I have these struggles. You, you you can stand on what he has revealed, you know, and I think that is the activation of faith that you stand on what is been, has been revealed, and you keep on believing what he has revealed. You don't say because I'm not like that, I don't have anything, because otherwise you're not coming in expectation, and you're not seeking him with the expectation that he's going to give you more. You know, you're constantly doubting yourself and and second guessing things instead of being able to stand. And I think that is something that we all need on our journey to encourage one another to stand on what he has already given you and to keep seeking. You know, it says without faith it's impossible to please God. And those that come to him, these number one <laughs> Where are we going? Are we going to our thoughts? Are we going to what people say? What people have said? Or are we going to Him? And, you know, that those that come to Him, He is, He's going to reward those who seek Him. You know? So there's, there's this, this place where we are, we are coming in expectation and, and belief that there is Every, he is hovering just waiting to give us what we need. You know, he is so for us. He is even in the, the times that are, are battering us around, he is not doing the battering around. He is not doing the tempting. He doesn't tempt. He is the father of lights who is right there and he is, he is, um, Urging us on and saying, keep going. Don't, don't be the one who's in the race and the shoelaces come, come undone and you fall in a heap on the floor. Do your shoelace up and keep going because everyone is, is, is f- from who's gone before us is cheering us on. You know, and we can cheer each other on and encourage one another to keep going and don't give up and don't, don't allow things that are happening to take you out. Keep turning to him. Keep coming to him because he, f- he does reward and he gives everything we-, we need. And I think we do need to come to terms with if we're not believing. And we need to repent of unbelief. And when we repent of unbelief, it opens up the receiving of what he is giving because he is freely giving us everything.
0: Yeah, just yeah. So, so the goal is to overcome. Yeah. So that's ultimately what we're talking about is that the the challenges and the thing I want to leave you with because it's twelve is we need to be very intentional about entering into the reality of what God says is possible. And the only way that happens is through the way of God. And so we have to surrender and yield to that reality. Because we're called to be overcomers, people who, not in our own strength, but through the one who bought the price, who is the victorious one, not be victims. Okay, So we're not called to be victims of our past, what's happened to us, this process that God leads us through. But God wants to heal the brokenhearted. He wants to heal people of their past so they can actually live in the fullness of life he came to bring. There will be trials, there will be tribulation, and only in him, and him in us, can we overcome. And so we need to be very intentional. So just living life as we've always lived it, if we don't know the word, we won't be overcomers. We'll be overcome because we need the word to overcome. Jesus knew himself. <laughs> he knew what he spoke. Because he was the embodiment of the Word, which means we need to know the person, don't we? not the message, so you can have the Holy Spirit, but you need to be on a journey of coming to know the person because you only know the person to the measure of the Holy Spirit's engraved the person on your heart, and that 's the challenge, but it 's a start it's good, okay and so be intentional. Seek, ask, knock Be found Asking the Spirit to engrave Everything that's within Christ On your heart and your mind So when the thoughts come When the words come When words come from those that you love There is someone greater in you And those thoughts don't take root Because the word is to take root But the demonic word can take root. That's why people struggle with insecurity, jealousy, bitterness, unforgiveness, hurt. Things have come in and made their home. And they're living there. And so Jesus wants to rip them out. And it's possible after the house gets swept clean to have the house built. So when the offense comes back, there is no offense. Because who's in me is greater than the offense. So the fence has no room in the house. All right? So we might just stay on this for the next few weeks, I just sense, just to keep unpacking because there's a dimension of growth and maturity that we are coming into. Um, And so, Father, we thank you for today. We just pray for what's been spoken would find its mark, Lord. We pray for revelation upon revelation of your Son in us and that we would know that this is a spiritual battle. Not in our head, but in our heart. And that we would be prepared as a soldier, like we've talked about, Father, as soldiers who are trained, ambassadors who are trained, to minister your kingdom and in your kingdom and through your kingdom. So, Father, we just thank you for your presence that's always here and in us and is willing and wanting and desiring to lead us into this reality. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have an awesome day, guys.